Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with legendary jazz trumpeter Arturo Sandoval. The passion and love for the music has always been woven into the lore of Arturo. During a candid conversation with Neon Jazz, he discussed how monumental Dizzy Gillespie was in his growth and development over the years, and how he was his ultimate teacher. He also discussed his role as a trumpeter, and as an arranger, and as a composer. He revealed what awards surprised him the most, who he would have loved to have performed with, his foundation, and what has been going on lately, including a new live disc from Yoshi's, along with a host of other interesting observations and tales from a richly talented man who was such a good story that it was made into a movie starring Andy Garcia back in 2000. So please, dig this interview in all its parts and pieces, my friends. Thank you for taking some time to talk with me, sir. I appreciate it. No, no, my pleasure, man. My pleasure. Thank you. Right on. Let, let's go ahead and dive in, and I want to get an idea. I know I just listened to a very nice live album at Yoshi's. I want to get an idea of what has been going on with you lately, what kind of activity, touring, uh, things have been going on. You know, I've been playing gigs, making records, doing recordings, uh, composing, writing music, uh, you know, the, the same thing I have been doing for the last 54 years, 55 years. Right on. So let me go back to your beginnings in Cuba. That's a very arts-rich area. Give me an idea of how you got interested in music and more specifically how you fell in love with jazz. The first part of the question, I, I never found out why I get into music because in my family, nobody was involved with the music at all. My father was a car mechanic. Nobody in my family was involved, not only with music, with art in general. Nobody. I was the first one. And, uh, and I was playing for quite a number of years. I never heard any jazz at all. And one day, a journalist, a friend of mine, he, he was a saxophone player, aficionado. He played for me uh, an album of Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker. That was it. That was the thing I was, you know, looking for so many years. And, and, and I said, what, what kind of music is that? And until today, I tried, I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah, that's beautiful. So at the age of 12, you decide that your music journey is going to start with the trumpet. Why did you pick the trumpet? You know, they gave me a few instruments to try uh, before the trumpet. But uh, later on, I started to look to the trumpet with the corner of my eyes, and I said, man, I think that's the kind of sound I like. And I'm still in love with the sound. So as a child growing up, what did you dream about doing when you got older? Was it music, or what What were you thinking when you were a kid? Since I was a very little kid, man, I, I, I was into the music. I got music in my soul and in my head and I, I I knew I was positive that that is what I want to do in my life well and speaking of what you want to do with your life I know that Mr. Dizzy Gillespie was an enormous influence on you talk about that first meeting in 1977 oh uh, uh, somebody let me know that he's gonna come in the cruise and stop a couple of days in Havana I went there uh, unfortunately, I couldn't speak any English at all, zero. And then um, I I went there no matter what uh, to the harbor where where the crews uh, get there, and um, 
And I saw him, and I was so lucky, man, because I said, oh, my goodness, now what am I going to do? I have, I, I cannot say anything to him. And then somebody walked behind him and started to talk to me in Spanish. It was a percussionist. Um, he was playing with Stan Getz. With the, he, also, he, uh, Stan Getz was in the, in the cruise as well. And uh, Father Hine and a group of great, great musicians, uh, uh, David Aaron, Aaron. A bunch of great musicians. And uh, that guy asked me, do you know this Gillespie? I said, yes. And he said, are you a musician? I said, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was embarrassed to say I was a trumpet player in front of Dizzy, you know. And, um, but um, to tell you the long story, uh, later in a couple of minutes, uh, I showed him Havana for the, for the very first time ever. And... Um, Later on, uh, uh, the same evening, we played together like a jam kind of thing. Um, you know, uh, the rest is history, man. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and then after that, you kind of go in a whirlwind with him. What was it like when you were in the United Nations Orchestra? Oh, that was such an honor and a privilege because the orchestra was an amazing group of musicians with Sly Hanton and... and, and um, the, uh, Danilo Perez, uh, James Moody, oh, great, great group of musicians, Paquito, you know, Mario Rivera, yeah. and uh, Giovanni Hidalgo. We have a lot of fun with that band, man, and, and this was, was such a pleasure to be around him because he was such a warm soul, you know, and, and he inspired us every single day because he's love and passion for music was contagious, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and then your dream come true in 1990. You come to the U.S. tour with Dizzy. What was it like to be around him consistently and playing nightly with him? Oh, my goodness. Watching, uh, like uh, going to school every day. <laughs> we, l we learn every minute from him. And, and he was always ready and, and happy to share ideas and, and, and share and, and, and teach you things and, and, and also learn because he always was open to learn new things. And, and he was, you know, a, a creator. He invented a brand new uh, 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 style of music in the mid-40s, you know. He was a creator of bebop. Yeah. And until um, and today, we all still trying to learn and figure out how to play bebop correctly. Well, you've done pretty good for yourself. And speaking of you, you're a trumpeter, you're a composer, and you're an arranger. What is the difference between doing all of those? What is there a big difference to you in your creative approach between? Oh yeah, what, it, yeah. Completely different, you know. Completely different. But uh, I call everything music, you know. Uh, when I'm when I am around music, I feel happy. I feel happy. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. If I'm practicing or playing or writing music or arranging, I, 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 I'm I'm happy to be around the music, you know. Well, you know, with Charlie Parker, they talk so much about how classical music, Stravinsky and the like, really kind of helped shape his jazz approach. You're very much steeped in the classic arts. How does that help your jazz brain? I think the classical training really helps you to have a better control of the instrument. And, uh, <clears throat> and I think uh, 
you know, I, I don't like to make big difference, you know, uh, amongst the style of music or genre of music. I call everything music, you know. I yeah. call everything music. What's that? Music. Uh, <laughs> when I practice it, to be honest, I, I'm most of the time trying to concentrate in the books. I don't spend too much time noodling around or, or, or improvising something. I, I concentrate in the books to be ready to play what I have to play, you know, and uh, to get that kind of uh, com uh, command and a skill to to express myself, to express my ideas through the instrument. And that's a perfect lead into my next question, which is your Grammy Award-winning group. Iraqueri. You blend the jazz, jazz, classical, rock, and Cuban. Is that kind of the brainchild of your music conception, that group? That, that was in the 70s. You know, we all were very young at that time. And, um, and that, was, that was a great band. Man. We have a lot of fun with that band because it was a, a group of uh, good musicians. And, and we experiment and create things and because we were forced to do it because uh, we weren't allowed to play jazz in Cuba. Yeah. And then we have to masquerade the improvisation and the bebop and things on the knees of uh, other style of music. And um, that really created a kind of a new fusion, a new kind of sound that people like it. And that was, you know, the the whole thing with Iraqeta, the people really enjoyed what we did and and I'm, I'm proud I was part of that band since the very beginning, you know. Yeah. I want to take one more trip down memory lane here, and I want to ask you about working with someone as brilliant as David Amram. What was it like to work with them? Oh, they was a, a, a great, great musician, very enthusiastic, and uh, he, he played a French horn, which is very unusual in, in the jazz thing, but he also was a, a, a classical conductor, and a composer, and a very charismatic person. He really was in that cruise, too. And uh, he put a, a lot of things together, you know. Even afterwards, he, he released an album of all the things that happened in, the, in that trip. And, um, and really, I got a great memory of him, you know. Yeah. So of all the beautiful things you've created over your life, one of them that I think is, is, is extra special is, the Arturo Sandoval Institute to Educate, Support, and Inspire Music. That's the best thing I ever did in my life. <laughs> and we are so happy we put together that organization because uh, it's 100% absolutely non-profit. Everybody is a volunteer, you know. And, um, and we really have been helping a lot of kids with instruments, with scholarships, with uh, uh, private lessons, even with uh, health insurance, a lot of things we have been doing for, for, for the kids. And, and it's such a privilege, you know, when you have that honor to, to give back to the kids that really need that help. So let me talk to you a little bit about your awards. I know that's never usually a focal point of a musician, but you've been very, you've gotten 10 Grammys, you have six Billboard Awards. So let me ask you this. What, what award did you receive that kind of, uh, you didn't expect it was a surprise, not the best one or one that, you know, is, is the finest, but you were like, wow, I did not expect that. One of them was the Emmy for the score of the movie on HBO. 
because I was competing. The the other four nominees was uh, uh, Patrick William, uh, Dave Grusin, you know, big big composer with a lot of experience and and a lot of movies under their uh, arm, you know, and uh, and uh, that was my very first full score in my life. And um, when they mentioned my name as a winner, I couldn't believe it. I was in shock, man. I it jumped, and I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and I really loved that award very much because it's it's not as a trumpet player, it's not as a, it's strictly as a composer. And for me, that I really I appreciate that very much, very much. Yeah. And the other one which is the most important uh, recognition and award you can get as a civilian in the United States is the Presidential Medal of Freedom. I'm very proud to to have that medal, and it's a recognition that I really appreciate immensely. Yeah, and that was my next question. That had to be an honor to meet President Obama and to go through and to perform at the White House. I mean, when you think back to the beginnings of your life, to the culmination of that award. What was that like? What was going through your head when that happened? I I went to the White House the first year I came when the, um, Mr. Bush Sr. was in the White House. And then I come back several times, uh, a couple of times during Clinton, and then a couple of times during uh, George W. I went, I, man, I'm very happy. I'm I'm, uh, I'm uh, you know, very grateful that I went to the White House in, in, in many, many occasions, and it's a privilege, you know. Yeah. So in 2000, they make a film about you for love or country. How did you How did you feel the depiction of you and your life was portrayed in that film? You know, I think we are not prepared for such a thing, you know. <laughs> it's, uh, it's something bad. To be honest, it, it, it wasn't like a, um, how can I tell you, it was like a, 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 something I saw out of the blue and I, I, wasn't, I wasn't aware of the whole thing. And it, no, no, it wasn't like this. I, uh, they hired me as a consultant. First, they hired me to 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 obtain the rights to write my story, you know. And then they, they hired me as a consultant and then I was during the shooting of the movie I was present there at all the time, you know. I, I, I saw the baby since it was very, very, very little, you know. And later on I wrote a score, you know, and um, and I was there during the editing and the whole thing and um, but anyway, it doesn't matter the the way it was uh, is uh, and and will be a great honor for me because everybody has a story to tell and to share. If they decide to share my story, as we all, and I really appreciate that because it's a testimony we're going to be able to share with our next generation, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So over the years you've worked with Dizzy Gillespie, Woody Shaw, Stan Getz, Frank Sinatra, the list goes on and on. Is there anybody on your radar that you would still like to perform with? Anybody that's on the scene in jazz around that you'd like to perform with? You know, I love and respect every good one, but one of the ones that really I so and so sad I I I couldn't play with him was Oscar Peterson because I, I'm a big 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 fan of Oscar. 
And I really wish I could play with him, but unfortunately, you know, I, that never happens. And, and um, yeah, I hope someday we're going to play together when uh, we meet in somewhere. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Who else would you consider your jazz heroes? I had a big fan of the pianist, you know. I, I listened to a lot to Wynton Kelly and and uh, Herbie Hancock, uh, uh, Keith Jarrett, uh, Bill Evans. I, I I I love the piano playing, man. I, I, and I'm that's a, the when I listen to the most. But of course, I, I respect and admire all all trumpet players, Clifford Brown and Freddie Howard, uh, Clark Terry, uh, you know, Chet Becker, all uh, Harry James, all, all everybody, you know, everybody. So, who has taught you the most in life? Not only about music, but about being alive. Dizzy, without doubt. Yeah. Oh yes, there was a many years, you know, together with him and and be around him and and learning and playing with him, and you know that was such a privilege, you know. Is there one thing that he said to you, or one thing that he taught you that you think about every day? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I told you before, and I'm going to say it again. His. It, it, Without mention, just watching him and uh, um, and see how much he really loved and he, the passion he got for music, that was the best lesson I ever learned. Yeah. To keep alive that passion and that uh, you know that desire to to keep learning and and to keep uh, you know investigating and and um, improving your thing and. That's 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 the flame that keeps you your desire alive. You know? So speaking of passion, what's the greatest thing for you about waking up every day? Oh, uh, the number one is uh, uh, to notice that I'm still breathing without a respirator, without any machine. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still breathing on my own. I say, thank God, I got another chance today. <laughs> and uh, of course, I got my little coffee. I drive my granddaughter to school, and then I come back. I practice a little piano, and then I get to the studio. I start to put something together, or, or you know, and I practice the trumpet a little bit. And, and you know, every, every day when I'm home, I got I got so much fun. I want to end on the road. It's such a privilege because that contact with the audience is a unique experience, and I enjoy every second of it. So why do you love jazz? Jazz is, for me, is synonymous of freedom. And I strongly believe that freedom, it is the most important word in the entire dictionary. Yeah, that's beautiful. So let me ask you this. I know you're far from being done. You've etched a beautiful story up to this day in 2015. But let me ask you this. How would you like the world to remember what you gave to it, musically and just by your presence and being alive? <laughs> I prefer that people say that. <laughs> but uh, to be honest, I want to be remembered as a guy who loved music and paid a lot of respect to music because I owe everything to the music. Music saved my life and also save the life of my family. And um, I want that the people remember that I really was in love with music. That's beautiful. Arturo, that's my final question. Thank you for opening up with me and giving me your story. Thank you I really, 
My pleasure. My pleasure. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in New York, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Arturo for his time with Neon Jazz, his brilliance, his unique jazz blend, and a towering legacy making the world a better place. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store or visit theneonjazz.blogspot.com for all things Neon Jazz. Until next time, enjoy the music, my friends. Neon Jazz.